Hi there and welcome to Doxadeo Bloemfontein North. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the message. Can I ask you to just sit where you are and close your eyes, open your heart uh, in expectation and we pray together. Lord, thank you that we are able to sit under your word. Lord, thank you that you have given us your son, Father, and that you've given us your spirit, Jesus. And uh, that this morning we can sit and say, I open myself to what you want to do. Lord, thank you that you meet each and every one of us where we are. You know where we are in life. You love us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so we are in our series, Breathe. How's your breathing? How are you doing? You see, this morning, uh, the fact that you are here is a sign that you do habitually breathe. You do it. No, you're a breather. We're all breathers. And what happens when we breathe is we, we breathe in air from the atmosphere around us. There's oxygen in the air, obviously, and it goes to our lungs. Our lungs know what to do with the oxygen, and they send it to our bodies, and we live. We are animated, and we survive every day because we breathe. Unfortunately, many people suffer from breathing problems. Uh, since 2020, we have all known the terrible fright and terrible damage that COVID-19 has brought. Uh, many people had COVID-19 and are still battling with the side effects and the results of COVID-19. Uh, many people suffer from asthma, especially in Bloemfontein, with its extremes. Uh, you see the asthma pumpies coming out and all the pills and stuff because we, we're battling to breathe. Emphysema which is a terrible thing. My granddad had it. I only found out later in life uh, while he was smoking, he was actually trying to breathe also. It's a terrible thing that damages your lungs. And then obviously this poor guy on a lighter note, he also battles with breathing. I don't know if you know my friend there. He goes like, Look, I am your father. Okay, that's just on a lighter note. If you're not a Star Wars fan, I hope I didn't offend you. Go and watch all the movies. They are excellent. Your body needs oxygen to breathe, to be able to survive. And likewise, your soul, your spirit needs to breathe, needs breathing. Now, this word breathing that we use, we can relate it back to the Latin word inspiro, which literally just describes the action of breathing in and breathing out. Now, this inspiro, it reminds you of the word inspiration. Just by the way, uh, if I had to ask you this morning, do you see yourself as an inspiring person? You know those people that you encounter in the streets or in Mimosa Mall or wherever? God loves them, you love them, but the moment you see them, you duck and dive because they don't inspire you when you speak. Now, I'm not talking about a motivational speaker. I'm just saying people, with all the love in my heart, some people just suck the very life out of you and everywhere they go. That's a terrible thing to say from the front, but it's true. Now, some people are like, I'm really tired, I can't speak to them now, but I'm loving them. Are you an inspiring person? There are people who are so inspiring. They can talk about kitchen knives, and you feel so inspired, you feel you want to change the world. What happens when God enters the room, so to speak? What happens when we are in God's presence? Is there inspiration? What is it that we experience when we think of God and when we are in His presence experiencing Him. Revelation 4, I'd like to read you a few verses there because this describes a picture in heaven where, so to speak, God is in the room and a lot of other creatures are there and this is what happens there. 
After this I looked, and there in heaven was an open door. The first voice that I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and there was a throne in heaven, and someone was seated on it. The one seated there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian stone, a rainbow that had, appear had the appearance of an emerald surrounded the throne. Around the throne there were 24 thrones, and on the throne sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes with golden crowns on their heads. Flashings, flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder came from the throne. Seven fiery torches were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Four living creatures covered their eyes in front and in back were around the throne on each side. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes around and inside. And now this important part. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne and say, Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Quite a mouthful. When we are in God's presence, when we are experiencing God, when we see Him as He reveals Himself in His Word, as His Spirit makes impressions on our hearts and tell, uh, tells us who He is, we are in a place of amazement. We're in a place of, of total worship, total surrender. When God enters the room, we are stunned, we are inspired, we are baffled. You see, like our bodies, our souls need to breathe in who God is. Our souls, our spirits need to take in the fresh air of who God is. Can I ask you a very, maybe confrontational or a very honest question this morning? How is your breathing? How is your breathing in of God? How is your desire for God? You see, when we are in Christ, we don't have to go uh, begging before God and say, oh God, would you please visit me? God, would you please fill me? No, He is there, but He gives us the opportunity, the privilege to breathe Him in, to, to enjoy Him, to allow Him to inspire us. I love how Eugene Peterson puts Psalm 34 verse 1 and 2 in the message. He says, I bless God every chance I get. My lungs expand with His praise I live and breathe God. If things aren't going well, hear this and be happy. What happens to us when, when we can't breathe, when there is a problem with our breathing, when our breathing is hampered? Well, we suffer. Our bodies suffer. And ultimately, our heart suffers. What happens when we don't breathe in God? When you don't spend time in His presence enjoying Him, Inhaling Him, so to speak, we develop heart problems. We become ungrateful. We become indifferent. We become a nitpicking person. We become not a nice person to be around. In 2020, the Barna Group did a study among young Christians, 
And they found the following. 10% of these young Christians were so-called resilient disciples. In other words, no matter the circumstances, no matter what life throws at them, they felt God's presence. They felt that God was with them. They felt that they had an active faith. But the 90% of these people said that their faith didn't really make any significant difference to their lives. They couldn't really uh, discern whether God was with them and so on. How can it be if we do a study among Christians, and perhaps we could do the same in this room this morning, how can it be that when we have the opportunity to listen to the Word, teaching from God's Word, uh, uh, an atmosphere and a place where the Holy Spirit can work, where, they, where there's worship of God, how is it possible that at times you and I can say, well, I am not really sensing God's presence in my life overall. I just don't feel that my faith is something real and everyday reality to me. Well, there can be many things, but I think one thing that I'd like to coin in this way is air pollution. So, those of you who regularly travel to Gauteng, uh, Santon, anyone, does it look familiar? doesn't look like your ideal retirement village sort of look over there. When you enter into a, an area where there is air pollution, your body immediately feels it. Now, even in Bloemfontein, which is maybe not the environmentally friendliest or cleanest place on earth, I mean, even in Bloemfontein, compared to that, if someone lights a match and there's a bit of smoke, I go like, oh, fire, 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 and then I see they light the bryflace fire, and then I'm like, ah, peace, we're going to bry, everything is okay. But maybe uh, uh, an opposite picture of that would be the Tsitsikama Forest in Neisner. Does that look familiar to you? Who wants to go there now? Like in now? Yes, no, we want to go. So the moment you step into that space, it's almost as if you get an oxygen attack. It's like two Red Bulls you're drinking. And immediately something happens to your lungs and to your whole body. You just feel invigorated. You feel refreshed. You feel empowered. It's this amazing feeling that you get. Studies have been done, and years and years we've now seen what happens when people are exposed to air pollution for a prolonged time. Your health suffers. And something happened with mankind since the Garden of Eden, the fall, and then mankind sort of taking things into our own hands. Uh, Paul, as he was writing the book of Romans, thought about this, and this is what he said in Romans 1 from verse 20. He says, for God's invisible attributes, that is, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what He has made. As a result, people are without excuse. For though they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Not a scripture you want to read your toddler before bedtime, is it? It doesn't sound very good. It doesn't sound like mankind is doing well. You see, when you and I are allowing all sorts of half-truths, untruths about God into our lives and start believing that, then our, our, our inspiration, our breathing in of God is polluted. We, we are, are in, inhaling a polluted picture of God. But when we allow Scripture and a healthy picture of God to fill our minds, to fill our thoughts and understanding of who He is, we can inhale who God is and who He wants to be to us. The great danger 
of mankind is that we quickly started making our own gods. You read the Old Testament and you see, you see these domesticated dogs, uh, gods. Hey, sorry, wrong way around because I want to talk about my dog. I've got a, we've got a German shepherd, Ben. And uh, some of you have seen him. He's the most loving, kind, beautiful dog. Uh, if you get to know him. But just on face value, and if someone passes on the street, it looks like he's going to eat them up immediately. But he is the most useless dog on earth. I think, I think if, uh, if, uh, if someone wanted to come in and, and take, just take stuff in our home, you would just be like, come, come on in, just scratch me, and then you can come. You can, you can take me. And you see, that's what mankind has been doing since the earliest times with God, is almost domesticating him, uh, making him out into this very predictable, very manageable, very safe God so that we can manipulate him. In Psalm 106 verse 20, uh, we see this very tragic picture of what Israel did when they fashioned the golden calf. You remember that story. I'm going to talk to you a bit about it later. But uh, Psalm 106 verse 20 says, They exchanged their glory, capital letter, for an ox that eats grass. How is that? It almost sounds like a joke, but it's not. Israel exchanged this amazing picture of the majestic wonderful, uh, unique God, and they fashioned their own domesticated God, and they exchanged by doing that their, their glory God for this animal that eats grass. It, it happens when you and I start worshiping our own preference of God instead of looking at who He really is. In Exodus 20, verse 2 and 3, God says, a very well-known scripture, He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the place of slavery, do not have other gods beside me. See, when it started off, when God, when God revealed himself to, to Abram and to Israel, and he, he, he uh, constructed this, this whole picture of how the temple worship should look, and everything that should be in place, there was this, almost I would say, pure worship of God and of who he is. But mankind quickly starts doing our own thing, starts building and fashioning these domesticated gods to our own liking. And so um, we read in the Old Testament of the peoples, the nations that were around Israel and, uh, and the, the very strange gods that they worshipped, these, these idols that they fashioned. Here are a few of them, and I would not encourage you to name your dog any of these names. The one is Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Canaanite fertility. Baal, Canaan's fertility god, Chemosh who gave victory in battle, Dagon, the Philistine god, Marduk, the god of the Babylonians, and Milcom, a god of the Ammonites, of knowledge and future. And Israel had their own god. They had, most of the time, at times, God, whom they worshipped. But so often, they deviated from that route. And in our story today, they had the golden calf that they bowed down to. In Exodus 32, we read, So all the people took off the gold rings that were on their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them, fashioned it and, uh, with an engraving tool, and made it into an image of a calf. Have you read what happened there? God called Moses up to the mountain to speak to him and to give him the law. And so the people grew impatient. They'd been waiting for minutes, hours, days, you know, like at um, home affairs, that sort of thing. They were waiting 
like what, what's happening, you know? I see all those windows. I don't see people, or I see people, but I don't see action. What's happening, you know? That's sort of what happened. And they said, well, this fellow, Moses, isn't coming back. Let's do our own thing. And so Aaron uh, participated in that, uh, and, uh, and they fashioned this, this golden calf. And they said, let's bow down to this thing that we now fashioned. He's manageable. He's unpredictable, he's safe, and extra bonus, he's portable. So we can take him, and we can also put him away if we don't want him next to us, if we don't want to hear anything from him. You see, the real God is unpredictable. The real God is God, the ruler. A.W. Tozer said the following, Left to ourselves, we tend immediately to reduce God to manageable terms. If you and I were left to our own thoughts about who God might be, if you and I were to say, well, okay, I will, I will now choose, I will make my own God, we will immediately bring him down to measure, measurable size. And so, you and I, as people who come to church, maybe say that, that we worship God, we can so easily fall into this trap. And that's what modern man so often does. They say, well, I want God as the fertility God. I want Him to, 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 to help me prosper, to be fruitful in everything I do. And so I will keep Him happy. Or I will keep Him manageable so that He will be the God who gives me that. Or I, I could say He's the God of success. He has to make me succeed because God is the God of success, of the big bucks, of the big cars, of the big homes. Or God is the God of my future prosperity, my future happiness. God has to fit into this picture of who I think He is. And yet God comes and He says, I am unique. The biblical big word, I am other. <laughs> I am in a class of my own. In Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, He says, For as the heavens, heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, True worship takes place when you and I look at this God. We are in awe of this God of unpredictability, this God who is other, who is not like anything we know. You see, God is the uncreated God. He has forever been there. Uh, he is not comparable to anything in creation. He's in a class of his own. Matt Redman, who is a very well-known worship leader, he said the following, Otherness, that's that characteristic of God that makes him in a class of his own. Otherness gives us a sense that God is so pure, matchless, and unique that no one else and nothing else even comes close. He is altogether glorious, unequal in sp splendor, and unrivaled in power. He is beyond the grasp of human reason, far above the reach of even the loftiest scientific mind. He is inexhaustible, immeasurable, and unfathomable, eternal, immortal, and invisible. The highest mountain peaks and the deepest canyon depths are just tiny echoes of His proclaimed greatness, and the blazing stars above, the faintest emblems of the full measure of His glory. I don't know about you, but I am out of breath having read that now. And I think you're like, oh, a lot of big words in one paragraph. And that's maybe sometimes the mistake that we make, as we, we try to... to, to break God down to such small and manageable chunks that we miss who He really is. 
Maybe we say, well, I only want that much of God before it gets too much. I like this, this own, my own picture of God, this domesticated picture of God. I don't want to know too much about all of these things. And yet God, come, God comes and he, he reveals himself as the one who is beyond compare, beyond description. We as human beings are quite good at it. We take God as the majestic one above all, indescribable, unfathomable, and we reduce him to something very ordinary. It happens with me at times. It happens at times that I actually forget how amazing and how big this God is and that if I look at him for who he is, I can breathe in the fullness of who he has revealed himself to be. So maybe this morning you're saying, why are you telling me that I'm serving idols? I'm not, <laughs> and I am. Because sometimes we can forget that God is unique, that God is other. And sometimes what we actually need to do is just to set aside our preferences of what and who we think God should be. And of our own circumstances, where we sometimes say, God, I really think you should now do this. You know backseat drivers? Anyone here who knows backseat drivers? I see, yes, I see them. Hey, backseat drivers are like, I think you should have turned there. And I think, no, what, what about that? And just as, as, you, as you stop, and my wife is not one, as, as I have to say that, just as you park in that parking, you've now selected this parking. God has given it to you. You know this is where you have to be. As you stop, someone says, there's one over there. I don't think we should maybe go and park there. Now we can sometimes be like a backseat driver who says to God, Lord, I think you should maybe rather do this or that. I'm suffering at the moment with this. Uh, would you please just come and completely relieve the situation right now? God says, no, if you're willing to set this aside, you can breathe in who God is and who he wants to be to you in this moment. So if we, if we are willing to set aside our preferences, we come to one person. His name is Jesus Christ. God has revealed himself to us in Jesus as the one who came to earth. Who The Bible says God bowed down to earth and he came to reveal himself to us in Jesus. In Colossians 2 verse 9 and 10 we read, For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful word. You see, what, what the Israelites did when Moses was up on the mountain with God is they looked at this God and how dangerous He is and how unpredictable He is and how He, uh, he demands everything of them, their whole life, their whole being, all their surrender. And they said, this is too much. We're going to reduce Him. We're going to domesticate God. And we're going to fashion our own calf, which is more manageable and which we are willing to worship. Here's the very, very important distinction. When, when Jesus came to the earth, when God sent his son to the earth, he didn't domesticate himself in Jesus. He came to reveal himself in Jesus Christ. If you want to know what God is like, if you want to experience him, if you want to take him in, come to Jesus call on Him. See, I don't know where you are. Many people 
maybe in their teenage years, typically come to salvation, are born again, have an experience of God. Something happens. Uh, they realize that Jesus is their Savior, and amazing things happen. They receive the Holy Spirit, and they feel they're on fire, and then life happens. You grow up. Time gets more and more precious. You get married. You have kids. You buy a home and cars, and, and things happen. Maybe your, your marriage goes through a rough patch. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're hurt in church, and suddenly you are far from God. You feel you can't, you can't breathe them in. You've sort of lost it. Well, the wonderful news this morning is that God always calls us back to Him. There's this beautiful portion in the book of, of Revelation where Jesus writes letters to the church and he says, he says, you've been at such a wonderful place with me. You have fallen from a great height. Come back to your first love. And then Jesus says, look, I'm knocking at the door of your life. The handle is on the inside. Open up and allow me to come in. Because as I come in, I will be like a breath of fresh air full of oxygen. If you allow me into your life and you breathe me in, you will again be at that place where you feel that God is everything to you. For us to breathe in God, we need to do something very simple, and that is to take our eyes off of everything that is not Jesus and look to Him. The writer of the book to the Hebrews said the following, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. It's that simple. It's that wonderful. As we look to Jesus, our lives are changed. You see, Jesus is in a totally different class than the domesticated gods. Because uh, a domesticated god is something that's dead. Jesus Christ has won the victory. Yesterday, I was at my son's rugby. So those of you who know my son Christian, there was a time he was small and literally harmless. And he's now grown up. He's now big and strong. He weighs as much as I do. And we don't wrestle anymore. You know, I'm civilized. I speak to him. I don't, I, I don't want to hurt him, you know. He's really strong now. And so he's a prop. He plays for Fijar Park on a 15A and B team. I'm very proud of him. And so yesterday, I'm there next to the rugby field. And I don't know that much about rugby, but I know that I want him to have a nice game and I want them to win. I more or less know how that works. So I'm shouting and I'm encouraging and so on. But I, I really don't know if they're going to win or lose. They have won in the past. They've lost in the past. So I'm here to encourage them. I know they can't hear me because there's a tunny next to me. Like when she screams, the rugby poles go like this. You know, she really brings it. And so I always just say, I'm with her. You know, whatever she screams, I'm there. But we're screaming and we're encouraging them to win. The difference with Jesus Christ is that he's already won. And so when you take in the breath of who Jesus is, the pure, unpolluted air of who he is, you take in life. You don't have to come worshiping and say, Jesus I know you are so powerful. I know you can win. I know, Jesus, just go for it. Just go for it. No, Jesus Christ has been giving, given the name above all names. He is King of kings, Lord of lords. He reigns. And that makes it totally different when I come to Him because I'm able to inhale the unpolluted air of who Jesus is. Can I invite you to please stand with me? Can all of us stand and we want to create a moment where, where we are just able to breathe in who Jesus is. Maybe this morning 
you want to say, well, I know him, I'm a child of God, but I've maybe been inhaling polluted air. I've maybe just taken my eye a bit off of him. The wonderful thing is that we don't have to go and pay all sorts of sacrifices now to get back to him. He is here. And in a moment, we can just say, Lord, I'm going to take in everything that you are because you are life itself. Thank you for tuning in. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit our website or follow us on social media at Doxadeo Bluefontein North. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. See you next time.